looking back, there were many things where I was like, I did not feel like I was well-informed. I did not feel like someone gave me the control or the power to make the decisions for myself and my baby. Um, and I didn't feel supported at all. I felt like I was always having to fight them. Welcome to Holy Spontaneity. It's Cameron and Karen, and we're on a journey to find the Lord in the little moments of every day. So join us on an adventure of holy, spontaneous faith in otherwise normal lives. We're so glad you're here. Hey guys, welcome back to another podcast episode with Karen and myself. And this week we have an awesome guest to speak on motherhood, which is actually really great because we're recording this on the nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary, so the OG mom. Um, But we have Megan Wells with us today from the What in the Dang Heck podcast. Hi, Megan. Hey, Cameron. Long time no see. Yeah, like, I don't (laughs) know. Karen, I've never met you before, but yeah, it's been, gosh, has it been three months? I think so. Yeah. Well, two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah, but I still, think you're wow. right. Wow. Yeah. I know. Okay. Feels um, equal parts like it happened a year ago and also like it happened last week. So I yeah, don't know. Still going through all of it. I was just looking at pictures from France today and kind of reminiscing on it because I was talking to, I had dinner with a friend mm-hmm. and was kind of talking to her about it. She wanted to hear about it. Um, and like going through the pictures made me so sentimental. (laughs) Yeah, same. I haven't even gone through all of them yet. And I haven't even like opened my journal back up from when we were there or anything. Cause I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. I just expect it to be like super nostalgic and like emotional. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. I can't handle it right now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh my. But I'm happy to be here and I'm stoked to talk about this topic. I could talk about it for days. Cameron already knows. Karen's excited about it as well. We're all so excited. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, you know, it'll, it's honestly so great because Karen and I are not mothers yet. And of course, we want to know all the things. Um, and you're the perfect one to talk to about it because you're so passionate about motherhood. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know from an experience standpoint, as I'm only roughly three years in, but from a passion standpoint, like I got you. Like, Oh, need- yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we need the passion. We need the passion. There's so no. many there's so much like stigma around motherhood in general that like we want yes. to hear about like passionately, authentically like Catholic motherhood, the nitty and the gritty. <laughs> No, for sure. I think the only experience I have is that I've always joked with ever since I started teaching kindergarten full time, I tell people that if kindergarten does not prepare me for the vocation of motherhood, I want my money back. I will have a nice (laughs) conversation with the man upstairs. I totally like, honestly, I think you guys are so set because there's so many things that are uncontrollable for you with the kids that you get handed. And there's so many of them all at the same age, which is like impossible in motherhood unless you specifically adopt 10 three-year-olds, you know, like it's <laughs> not going to happen. Um, so if it doesn't, I also want you to get your money back because <laughs> I just don't see how that's possible. Like, right, right. We'll check back in with you in like five to 10 years. Perfect. Sounds good. I'll hold you to it. <laughs> okay. So would you, I'm sure most people who listen to our podcast have 
heard of your podcast and know who you are, but would you introduce yourself to everyone who doesn't? Sure. Okay. My name is Megan Wells. I'm a wife first and then a mom to four babies, one in heaven, two on earth, one in utero about to come out in October. (laughs) Um, And (laughs) I am a podcaster for what in the dang heck. I'm a co-host for that. Um, I am an Instagram influencer that will never not sound weird coming out of my mouth. Um, (laughs) I'm also a photographer and affiliate for a couple different companies. There's just a couple things I dabble in, you know? Um, but yeah. I am super passionate about um motherhood and being available and around your kids. Whether you work or not, I don't care, but how much time you spend with your kids every day I do care about and I'm passionate about. And then I'm also extremely passionate about birth, pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. Like if you were to pick one category of motherhood, I'd be like, let's talk about that. Like, let's just go in (laughs) to that. Um, We could talk about like the terrible twos or whatever you want to call it later, but birth, like, let's go. (laughs) I I love it. Uh, it's so aggravating that like birth nowadays or like in the past like no one talks about it. it's like, kind of like that you know it's like sex right yes like, yeah it's all hush yeah. hush Great and I'm like you. but it's so like oh it's so fascinating it's only so what you it used to be only what you saw in the movies which when yes. it came to sex was like super promiscuous and like all this stuff and they just fall asleep right after and you're like that's not how that happens that literally like no you don't clean up like how is that working out for you and then with birth it's like horrible and painful and excruciating and screaming and frantic and it's like that's also not accurate like why are we doing this oh my gosh Mm -hmm. oh totally yeah this is gonna be a really great conversation to have because a lot of our listeners aren't moms yet aren't even married yet and so I think that this is kind of give them a whole um kind of overview on the fact that they don't have to be fearful Mm. about whatever comes with motherhood and also what the heck does it look like to even be a catholic mom um Mm. and someone who's like close to their age and going and like experiencing this as well so you know i feel like in the past when we've talked about um motherhood it always comes from women who are like our mom's ages which is really nice but times are very different now things have just changed so much and so it's Mm -hmm. so great to hear about it from like someone who's my own age you know well that's relieving because sometimes I'm like uh I don't want to be the person that's like motherhood's the best it's so great because like having kids has not been a problem for us. And I know there's people that struggle with infertility. Mm-hmm. And then I know there's people who thought they'd be married by now. So I know that that's a wound too. So it's just like all these mm-hmm. things that make me super hesitant to share the joy of it. Cause I don't want it to like be a dagger in someone's wound, but also it's like, this is the kind of stuff I wanted to hear when I was in college from someone who's yeah. like less than 10 years out from me, you know? Mm-hmm. So that that's good to hear. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny you say that because you know, and I've talked about the, or I think I've mentioned it before, um, that honestly, it's more encouraging to me as someone who's single. Um, it's more encouraging to me to hear from people who are in the stage of life that I desire, um, because, like I. 
sometimes it's really hard for me to hear from someone who's like 40 and like, oh yeah, mm. I'm still holding out. Like I, I trust the Lord. He's going to bring me someone. And I'm sitting there like, oh my gosh, like, like I can't, I can't do this I for, I can't do this for another 16 years. Um, yeah. And it's, but it's so in, encouraging and inspiring to hear from someone who's mm. already in the phase of life that you're like, okay, yes, I'm praying for that. And that is what I am aspiring mm. for. And like, yeah, those are the prayers that I'm I'm praying for. So, um, or that's the phase of life that I'm praying for. So it's, it is great. I know you said you have some like hesitation sometimes, but honestly, and this is something that I've had to grow into a lot, but like people's, people's response, and you know this, but like people's (laughs) reactions and responses aren't your responsibility. Um, so they can, they can be encouraged by it or they can be discouraged by it, but you speaking into something that you're passionate about yes the amount of times (laughs) where I've I'm the youngest at probably the youngest at my school district and it's good and I'm you know I'm 22 but when you know I'm new and everyone's all like how old are you you got kids of your own are you are you seeing someone are you married it's like no 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 ma'am no ma'am no sir no 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 (laughs) how are you not taken how are you not married (laughs) I had my first two when I was 22 it's like that's that's awesome. I'm so happy that that's that's your story. <laughs> yeah, that's just not me. Sorry, Miss <laughs> so, yeah. you gotta get going on it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely more encouraging to to talk to someone who's like my age and in that stage of life because yeah, that's definitely what I aspire to. So yeah, for sure. Okay, well, good. Yeah, the floodgates so, have been opened. Exactly. So like <laughs> on that on that note, um. You know, you've talked a lot mm-hmm. on your Instagram and on the podcast about like you and Avery's story um, about how you met and how you were totally unsure yeah. in the beginning. Um, but did you always feel like you were called to the vocation of marriage and motherhood? Like, how did you know? Yeah, um, my parents did a really good job of letting us know all of the options for vocations. <laughs> and so like growing up, there's four of us girls and one boy. And so growing up, we were always told like, you could be a nun, you could be a nun, like, just so you know, that like being a mom isn't the only option for you or being a wife, you know, um, cause a mom is like a secondary vocation. So I guess being a wife would be, you know, the other one. Yeah. But so we were always told, like, I would tell my dad, like, I'm not going to be a nun. They can't play soccer. And then he'd pull up a video of nuns playing soccer. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, I'm not going to be a nun because they don't get to pick out what to wear. And he's like, okay, that's stupid. Um, but so it was <laughs> always very balanced as far as like what God could call you to. And so there were never any shut doors about it. Um, and the fact that I just always gravitated towards motherhood, I was the oldest of five kids. I gravitated towards it. I've always been a romantic. I've always imagined like that lifelong companionship with someone. And so because it was never just like shut, like that was just the one hallway I was walking down my whole life. I think that's how I just knew because I was given all the options pretty much my entire childhood and made, it was made clear that there were many things God could call me to. And I just always gravitated back towards having babies. I love to play like home and cook for the babies and the baby dolls. I mean, I was homeschooled my whole life until high school. And I still went to the grocery store and made myself a flower baby because I knew the kids in middle school had flower babies at the time. So I was like, I want a flower baby. So I went and, you know, dressed up a sack of flour, put a face on it and strolled around 
down with my flower baby. Uh, <laughs> so all of those things looking back, I'm like, wow, yeah, that was just in the cards. 100%. Oh my gosh. Do you, was there any time at all where you were like thinking about any other vocation or maybe confused? No. No. You always knew. <laughs> no. no. And part of me thinks maybe it was because um, we were always raised very independent. And so there's a little bit of me that's like, I want to push back against you. And so anytime my dad would really throw out, like you could be a nun, I was like, no, no. <laughs> um, and so maybe that's why I felt so set and sure about being a mom. Cause I was yeah. like, I know I'm not going to be a nun. Um, but yeah, there was never anything else where I was like confused or hesitant or anything. It was mainly just making sure that whomever I did choose to marry could be a good father. Like that was the one thing I kept thinking about. And I like, that was the top standard. And so that was the part that maybe confused me or made me nervous or hesitant to marry because I wanted to confirm that he would be a good dad one day. So, yeah, I feel like that's a lot. Yeah. That quote that mm, has always impacted me when I first read it, it was like a sucker punch to the butt and the heart and the soul, just everything. But it was like, ladies, you can choose your husband, but your children cannot choose their father. It's like, mm-hmm. and that will mold like, like you look at the kids, you look at kids or even like our, our classmates or whoever today, and you look at their family life and how they are now and like who you choose to be the dad of your children, like molds generations, like affects many, many people. Um, and it's just like the peace and like sanctity of your home is going to be decided by the father that your husband becomes for sure. So yeah, very big decision. (laughs) Do you think that, do you think that a lot of guys are, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of guys that are emotionally mature and, you know, before they step into uh, a more leadership role, either as like a husband and a father, but um, do you think that there's a lot more growth that comes from stepping into the role as a husband or the role as a father later on father for sure I mean stepping in as a husband is one thing but when you become a father like I saw it in Avery so clearly like the decision to get rid of his xbox before Carrie was even born the decision to like pull back on certain things pull back on like buying beer every night or whatever just like all these little things that he'd just done forever had we not had a kid I don't think that same level of responsibility would have been put on him to you know like encourage these decisions um and even to this day the more kids we add the more responsibility he's given and I was listening to a podcast this morning actually that was talking about how pressure doesn't affect men the same way it affects women like too much pressure on us takes a big toll on us too much pressure on guys moves them into action um and so I just I see that so clearly every time we add on a new kid I don't know it's easy to still be very selfish when you're just a husband and wife obviously speaking from the realm of you're not trying to have kids, you're not struggling with infertility or anything like that. Yeah. Like you're just choosing to not have kids right now. It's very, very easy to still be self-focused for sure. Yeah. That's really interesting. So how do you, how do you look for those kinds of call, like knowing that mm. he he's not going to do that, that growth until, yeah, exactly. you know, there's kids. So how do you, what do you look yeah. for? Um, I think some of the things that stood out to me for Avery um, were, excuse me, 
um, that he was one. Uh, oh, my gosh. Oh, he was fearful of God and he was a man of God. Um, and I could see that beyond just, oh, he went to church or could quote scripture. The way he loved people, the way he talked about people, the way he held me to higher standards. I mean, for example, there was a moment where I walked out of a dressing room in shorts. I thought they were so cute. I was for sure going to wear them. I was like, yes, this is it. And he goes, you're not getting those. And I was like, excuse me? (laughs) The only other person that has told me, we were just starting to date. Like we were not, we're not engaged. He was like, you're not going to get those, are you? And I was like, the only other person that's ever talked to me like this is my father that ticks me off that you just talk to me like that. Like you have authority over me. Like who the heck are you? (laughs) And then later that night, I didn't get the shorts. Um, And then later that night I was thinking about it and I was like, it's interesting that the only people that have ever made comments like that are my dad and this man. Mm -hmm. That says a lot because there's been a lot of guys that I've had conversations with that would have been like, oh yeah, get the shorts. Those are great. And so I was, I dug into like, what's the difference between the two? And I was like, wow, he sees the dignity in me. He see like, that's how I knew he was a man of God. Um, and then also I knew he was very self-disciplined and very self-motivated. You can't teach someone to have drive. Like they either have it or they don't, they either want to be better. They either want to read more and grow and take criticism and feedback or they don't. And so if he couldn't do those things, he wouldn't be coachable. He wouldn't be able to mold and change and strive for better when more responsibility was added to the plate. So those are kind of the characteristics that I saw. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, he'll be a good <laughs> Those are fantastic, man. It's so, I feel like it's just so hard. Um, I, I, you know, speaking as someone who's single, like it's, it is right. really hard to see those, um, to see those qualities in, in guys nowadays, but also, we have to have qualities that complement those mm-hmm. in order to be attractive. Um, so it's really great that you mentioned that. Um, yeah, for sure. So kind of diving into um, motherhood, especially considering a lot of the people who listen are, uh, you know, not mothers yet. Um, what general advice or specific advice whatever you want to go into um would you have for those who desire that vocation uh what advice would you have for those who might be fearful of like being mm-hmm. moms like they wouldn't be good enough um so yeah what do you have to speak into that so as far as those who desire it but aren't in that season yet um the advice i would share is just to like really dive into things that will prepare you for being a wife and a mom. So serving others, practicing ways of like self-mortification or just being like acts of giving acts of, you know, um, hospitality towards others. I mean, I was the, I was the girl in college who had a house with two other teammates and I was always cooking meals for everyone, always cooking desserts for everyone. And I see that so perfectly playing into me as a mom now, like that makes sense. (laughs) Um, and so, practicing those things, babysitting, nannying, being around kids. And the other thing that I've realized too, being a young mom now and living in a college town, like, don't be afraid to ask young moms in your area. Like, Hey, can I come and just like, see what it's like during the day? Like, don't pay you. Like, you don't have to pay me. Like, I just want to see like everything that you do. Like, I want to hang out with your kids. Some, I want to learn from you. I want to whatever, like one, they would love the company. You know what I mean? They would love that. 
you're not asking for money, which is great because that's hard to come by a lot of times when it's a stay-at-home mom and a single income. Mm-hmm. And three, like the priests get like six years of seminary. What mm-hmm. kind of formation or like experience can you possibly get to become a mom without like immersing yourself in it, you know? Oh my and so gosh. I'm like, yes, that just makes sense. And so I've like, mm-hmm. this is, this is a new thought I'm having where I'm like, hello, is there any college girls out there that want to mm-hmm. come, come hang Honestly. out for a minute? Um, so that would be, that would be my thing. It's not weird at all. Um, if someone takes it as weird, it's because they're weird. Ask another mom. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure most moms would be like, yes, please come over, help me cook dinner. Like, let me tell you and show you what it's really like in the nitty gritty. Um, and then for those who are fearful of it, whether it's like motherhood or birth, or they think they're not going to be a good mom, that one is from the devil. Uh, because think about the one person that he hates the most. It's Mary. And he mm. in Revelations literally talks about how he's going to devour her children. Like he yep. loves yep. Mary. Um, so that's the first thing of figuring out where that's stemming from. Um, two, maybe it is personal. Maybe there is like a childhood, like maybe there's experiences or trauma from your childhood that associate with motherhood and it's fearful and not good. And that's fine, but you need to work through that. And it's good to be aware of that before you become a mom. Um, and then three, I would say like, I talk to moms now that are fearful of the fact that, or they're like, I'm not going to be a good mom. I'm not a good mom. I'm messing up my kids. I'm whatever. And it's like, there's nothing that you can do that God can't save your kid from. And there's nothing that you can do that can like perfect your kid. Like you can't make or break your kid. Who do you think you are to think you have that amount of authority, you know? Mm -hmm. And then also like, it's not, you're going to mess up. You are literally a human. You're going to mess up. You're going to have to figure out how to like extend grace to yourself. You're going to have to figure out how to apologize to a two-year-old who like, come on, at the end of the day, like you probably aren't really in the wrong that much. It's probably like, they're probably psycho a little bit, (laughs) but but I was listening to another podcast a couple months ago that was talking about how he always remembers how his dad mended situations. He never remembers like his dad losing his temper. And his dad was like, oh, I surely did. Like, I know I did. And he was like, yeah, but I remember you coming into the bedroom afterwards and sitting on the bed with me and apologizing for what you did. I always remember that. That stands out to me. What you fail at doesn't stand out to me. And so like, if that's the perception you have going into motherhood, it's like, okay, you're just constantly focusing on mending and like, reconnecting the relationship just like you would with your marriage um it's like no different so yeah wow that's really big I think I think there's a lot of things especially nowadays that just feeds so much into the fear and I I want to talk about these as two separate things okay so one of them is the fear of motherhood those who really desire it and are just not there yet and you know, maybe they are struggling with the fact that they're not there yet um, mm-hmm. in that stage of life uh, when they desire it. And then on the other side of things, I think a lot of what maybe those women are consuming are the kind of selfish side of, mm. like, well, this is what my life looks like without kids. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, just think 
you know, and, and maybe this means people need to stop looking at other people and, or let me, let me phrase this the way that I want to phrase it. Um, maybe it means that people need to stop looking at other people as their, uh, like what they aspire to be and start focusing on how they want to bring Christ into the home. Because I think a lot of women will look at, you know, and I'm guilty of this too, you know, even if I'm not in that stage of life yet, of scrolling through my social media or even in, even in person, I'll say that even in person and being like, I really love the way that she does that, but I don't naturally think that way. I could never be a good mom. And then, Mm. and then looking at the other side of things like, wow, I really hate that she does that. Oh shoot. What if I do that? You know? So I I think a lot of women struggle with both sides of it, um, which is honestly just really, really terrible. And like what you were saying, um, just a lie from the devil that, you know, and like you, women don't have to feed into that either. That is a choice. Right. Right. Well, I was gonna say, it's interesting too, because if you look back years past, there's never been this amount of influence from this amount of voices and this amount of parenting styles and techniques and different Mm -hmm. women and households before ever. It was like you, your mom, your neighbors, your sisters, and you all kind of did what worked for you. And that was it. So like, I get it. There's a lot of information out there. It's bombarding you from every angle all the time. Mm -hmm. Everyone has something different to say force your kid to sit and eat dinner. Don't force your kid to sit and eat dinner. Like it just yeah. everything. There is an opposing opinion on every single thing when it comes to parenting. Um, and so I think that's why it's super, super important to take initiative and to take ownership of your motherhood from the minute you conceive through pregnancy, through birth, postpartum and everything and tag team that with your husband, include him in on that, invite him in on that. That's also probably why I'm the most passionate about pregnancy, birth and postpartum, because that's where I see it take off or that's where I see it abandoned. Like the whole ownership has never been taken up. And then they are thrown into the throes of motherhood for the first time. And they look to everyone else for all the answers. And that is so stressful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and no one else is going to know your you or your baby um, better than you would. And so I like I get it. I totally get it. But then like maybe let's all set up, you know, social media timers or something because it's not helpful. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah. No. Thank you so much for saying what you did about <laughs> about just speaking truth and the fact that we're all human. And that we are going to mess up because we are imperfect and we were born in a broken world. And that needs, desperately needs redemption and salvation. Um, But that was something that I was worried about um, here recently as well. Is like, okay, well, if I'm being called a vacation of marriage, because this whole past couple of months, I would say if I could describe 2023 in a couple of words, it'd be mercy and just new knowledge of just diving deep into um, family and what mm-hmm. does family mean? And the, the more common term of generational quote unquote traumas and generational yeah. uh, wounds and what, how does that play a part? And I mean, I'm not afraid of it. My family is not perfect. And I've always known that we are in need of, you know, redemption and we have our wounds, but like really, really, I would say like this past couple months of like, I need to be the one 
which not saying in a negative way, but it's like really understanding that depth of, I think I need to be the one to like end these generational wounds that my family has had. Because if right. I don't do it, it's going to keep going. Granted, well, when I, you're, yeah, when you're aware of them too, it's like you kind of have an obligation to. For sure. And I yeah. with, I'm, have plugged in this book so many times on this podcast, or hopefully I have. But this past summer I read um, by Lindsay Gibson, uh, Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. And that was probably mm. one of the most life-changing books I have ever read in my entire life. And she talks about, I mean, and, and you're right, Megan, it's all about the podcast. It's all about, it's all over on the internet of there's so many different parenting styles. And there's so many ways like you can make or break your kids. So just thank you so much for yeah. like, no, you are going to hurt them. You are yeah, going you are to, totally going to mess up. You literally always... would hold yourself to an un- unrealistic expectation if yeah. you thought that you would never hurt your child. Oh my gosh, how stressful. Or your husband. And and for those of us who are high achievers and for those of us who maybe have like a people pleaser or perfectionism mentality, which is 100% me, um, you are going to feel like a failure about 24-7 of your motherhood career because you will be messing up and you will not be friends with them all the time. And then the thing I just think about too in the future, they're going to come to me and say, hey, I'm struggling with this and I'm realizing that it's because of xyz when we were growing up it like conditioned me to think this way or whatever and i'm preparing now to be able to sit there hear that hear that i messed messed a kid up somehow because it's gonna happen Mm -hmm. and then say i'm really sorry here's why i did that here's why i explained my whole side here's why we did what we did i'm really sorry that it like left that wound for you i hope we can heal that like what do you need from me now Mm. Again, that, like, it's not just hard that. to do, but yeah. it's like, can do you have the humility? Do you have the self-awareness? Do you have the like ability to just shut your mouth and listen and be empathetic to someone for a second, which is all stuff I'm learning right now for the first time. Um, but yeah, you're going to mess them up. How are you going to fix it? Like, and that's it. <laughs> just that, just that. I don't, I don't think a whole lot of our, our parents did that, which is which is so sad because I'm sure that would heal a lot of the wounds that we have. And mm-hmm. I mean, perfect example earlier today, I, I know I teach kindergarten. I've already probably explained that several times on this podcast, but you know, I, we have a solid hour. I want to say more like 15 minutes, but the kids go to specials and they come back. And so the specials teachers lead the kids back to our classrooms and they wait out in the hallway for know, however long. And long story short, today was just not a horrible day. It's just a crazy day. And it was two classes because I teach, you know, there's my classroom and then right next door is the other kinder classroom. Long story short, it was her class and my class. And they were like running down the hall. They were slapping each other. They were screaming as loud as possible. And I walked out and I got my teacher voice on. I was like, my class, you know better. You know better. And I looked at all of them and I said, the other teacher's name, class. She is not here, but this is not how you, and I just, I raised my voice. I I didn't scream, but I mean, it's like, you know, 20, 30 something kindergartners. And so you have to scream. And so I got firm and I looked at every single one. I was like, you know, better kindergarten. We've been in here for four weeks now. You should know better. Get it together. And so not the prettiest moment, but I walked back inside. I have a lot of sweet kids, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of sweet kids, just big, big hearts. And so we quieted down. We were waiting for 30 minutes before we go to the next activity. And one of my littles, she looks at me, she goes, Miss Gallagher, you broke my heart. 
and I looked at her (laughs) and I was like what and she like almost started crying now she's never cried yet she's my quiet ones she hasn't cried yet she just looked at me she's five and she looked at me she goes Miss Gallagher you broke my heart and I got down to her level like what did Miss Gallagher do to break your heart I'm so sorry and she's like you screamed really loud and it scared me oh I didn't like it when you did that which is what I'm trying to teach my kids to do Right. I always, I'm trying to teach them like, use your words, not your fists. Because when you use yeah. your fists, that's immediately like, you're gonna get in trouble because you don't right. use your fists. Use your words. So say, so and so, I don't like it that you did that. Please stop. And so when she looked at yeah. me and she's like, Miss Gallagher, I don't <clears throat> like it that you did that. I was like, humbled myself. I felt yep. so guilty. I was like, I'm so sorry. I wasn't yelling at you. Thought you were. It's like I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Really I've heard that so many times. <laughs> oh yeah, it's so bad. And so there's a lot of like, just you know, there. I mean, there's a lot of growing up that you have to do when you become a mom too. You know, it's mm-hmm. not it's not just, um, you know, the father taking on this. It, there's a different sort of responsibility that comes with just yeah. being, you know, male, female, father, mother. Um, totally. Yeah. So what exactly did you do to prepare for that? Or did you not? Because like, the uh, yeah, give you the graces, but also, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think there was a natural amount of preparedness that I did growing up. I was the oldest mm-hmm. of five and we were all homeschooled. We had a stay at home mom. So it, it was not about you. Your life was not about you. Um, we did everything as a family you looked out for each other, you took care of each other, you babysat each other, you helped with the grocery shopping, like X, Y, Z. It wasn't about you. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was ingrained in us from a very early time, which praise God, because if there's anything that's not about you, it's motherhood. Um, And then I think always being on an athletic team too, and having to grind and having to work really hard for something. And Mm -hmm. like, I look back on college, I did not play on the field, field minutes, game minutes, like I thought I would. And looking back and realizing how much it didn't hinder me from still doing the best in the weight room, still running the best mile, still like doing everything to high standard of excellence. Mm -hmm. Like all of that trickled into motherhood and my drive in motherhood, because it's not you're not going to get the playing minutes. <laughs> you're not going to get the game winning goal most days in motherhood. Um, But you still have to do the work. So it's like, are you willing to, and are you going to give it your best shot? Um, And so those things kind of prepared me, but it was never an intentional, like, I want to be a mom. So I'm going to go be on a sports team for 10 years of my life. You know, uh, yeah. it was just these like life skills that kind of trickled in. And I think that's kind of how God works too, is he will use what he's given you um, to get you there. So like my drive for work and my standard for excellence and uh, my pride to an extent, um, like I didn't, I didn't back down on the faith ever. I didn't back down on what I wanted to do in life and all this stuff. And then when he got me to motherhood is when he was like, okay, there's a glass ceiling. You can't go any further now. Now I got to teach you about docility. Now I got to teach you about empathy and humility. I got you here with all of these very aggressive, assertive <laughs> qualities, <laughs> but now we got to soften you a bit. Um, and so that's kind of the growing pains we're going through right now that I'm learning in motherhood that 
I did not have going into it. And I know it can look different for different mothers. Some mothers might be struggling with, you know, laziness and they're like, how the heck can I like motivate myself to do better in our home? Um, and so it looks different for every mom, but he'll get you there and he'll give you the graces to it for it. If you just keep including him in it for sure. (laughs) That is so good. I think sometimes we just forget to include God and mm-hmm. it's kind of funny because you you think about it and you're like, how on earth would you forget to include God? But you can easy. because it's, it's, you know, just daily life. And especially if you're going through the motions, you know, if, if one day in particular is like, well, maybe, you know, I'm not taking the kids anywhere. It's just a really slow day or things yeah. like that. It's so easy, I'm sure, to just like, well, this is what it is and, and kind of forget that like God's a part of the family too. Right. Right. And it's very easy too to just be like, if it's going to be, it's up to me. Mm. So you just like get stuck in this mindset where like, if, if you're going to get anything done, if your kid's going to be a good kid, like it's entirely on you. And it's like, again, how arrogant yeah. <laughs> to, think, to think that. Um, and if anything, miscarrying our first really early on made it very clear to my husband and I, oh, like how many kids we have whether they stay alive or not for however like much amount of time Mm -hmm. who they turn into like we are not running this this is not our decision ultimately there's a god here that plays a very massive role in this and we were just like it's all us look at us we're great we're doing so good (laughs) so if anything that's what miss carrie and our first taught us because it was like wow yeah there there are three involved in a marriage and a family god your spouse and you and now it's it's a humble reminder i guess you could say to loop him back in for sure yeah yeah that's so true well speaking of growing pains and looping him back in let's talk about birth so let's do it (laughs) i was i was trying to give a cute transition and no this is just like let's just dive into it um down so if you're comfortable and you mm-hmm. are already very gracious enough to be vulnerable about your miscarriage, um, but will you please share about Carrie and Jeannie's birth and the redeeming nature of, I believe it was only Avery that was with you when mm-hmm. your second daughter was born. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I could talk about that. If, <laughs> if I'm please. comfortable, if I'm comfortable. Carrie's birth um, was... The, the whole time they told me that she was too small and they couldn't tell me any sort of medical reason for why she was too small. Her heart rate was good. The fluids were good. Placenta was good. Everything was good. They had me coming in weekly for ultrasounds. They wanted to induce me, which will never make sense. If a baby's too small, don't you want them to, you know, bake a little longer? I don't know. Um, and they scheduled an induction and I told them, no, I'm not going to be there. Sorry. So I didn't show up. Um, everything was still good. They weren't giving me a medical reason. So I just was like, until you can tell me she's in danger, I'm not coming in. Um, I went in on my 40 week appointment and her heart rate was up and down, up and down. Looking back and in talking to my home birth midwife, part of me wonders how much of that was just because I anticipated a fight every time I walked in there. So my heart rate was probably up and down, up and down. I'm stressed. There's cortisol going on. That's affecting baby. How much of that played into that? I don't know, but I had my doula with me and we were talking and heart rate was something new. 
that they were giving me. It wasn't just that she was small. So we went ahead and did the induction. We were there with like nothing happening for like 36 hours. And they did Pitocin full send twice. Um, It wasn't doing anything. And I know some people are like, wow, I mean, lucky you because Pitocin typically makes things worse, makes contractions harder because they're essentially man-made contractions, drug-made contractions. Um, And so it could put a lot of stress on the baby, but it wasn't really doing a whole ton for us. We were literally just hanging out, eating Dairy Queen, sleeping on a horrible bed. Avery was sleeping on a horrible couch, like just waiting for something to happen. Um, And then they said, okay, well, we can try Pitocin one more time or something, or we can break your water. And after we break your water, you have essentially 24 hours. And if you don't progress, then we have to do a C-section. And I was like, wow, worst nightmare. Cool. Awesome. So I'm like freaking out a little bit. I remember breaking down and crying at one point and my doula and Avery were like praying with me. because I was like, this is literally so stupid. Like, this is not what I wanted at all. I'm already anticipating a C-section because that's where my brain always goes. It's like just standard totally or expectation totally on the ground so that I'm not like shot when it happens, you know? Um, And so we went ahead and they broke my waters. One of the most painful things I've ever experienced in my life. Uh, And they, Avery says that was harder to watch than anything else like that he's ever had to see me go through was when they broke my water. So they told me after, my doula told me after they broke my water, it could be anywhere from a couple hours to many hours. We'll just kind of wait and see. Within a matter of minutes, I threw up and went straight into actual contractions for the first time. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, these are the contractions that people talk about in the book that they somehow cook dinner in between. And I'm like being totally overtaken and overwhelmed by these contractions (laughs) because I just assumed all labor, like once you have a contraction, labor is the same way. Like it goes slow and then it picks up and all this stuff. And that was just not what I felt like I was experiencing. So I was like, holy heck like how am I going <laughs> to do this I yeah, was gonna go natural <laughs> yeah I was like how are these gonna get closer together or worse or like more intense like this is insane mm-hmm. um what I didn't know is that I jumped the whole first part of labor and went straight into transition oh once they gosh. broke my waters they pretty my much goodness. set everything into into play so I was like mentally struggling and thinking like oh my gosh I might ask for an epidural and I like that was the one thing I could control that I wasn't going to ask for and little did I know I was too far along like that even if I had asked they would have been like nope sorry you are more than eight centimeters dilated like we cannot give you that right now um so total of two hours from them breaking the water to Carrie arriving um that was the full summation of her labor was two hours of transition and it was wild and insane. Um, but it was such a gift that it finally, like it happened and she came out and she was totally perfect. Nothing was wrong. She was six pounds, nine ounces. So she was small, but if you look at her parents, we're not huge people to begin with. So like (laughs) totally checks out. Um, the one thing that sucked was a couple of days after we took her home, she had really bad jaundice and they tested it and made us go back to the NICU and when you're a first-time mom or a mom in general anytime you hear the word NICU like jaundice I understand is like very common the word NICU is terrifying you're like my kid's gonna die this is horrible how long are we gonna be there um and so that was awful to go back while you're like 
recovering yeah. to the NICU, walking up and down the hallway to go to the bathroom, sleeping on a horrible couch again. Like I, I didn't leave her side. Like how could I, like that was not going to happen. Um, but that was frustrating because I didn't know severe neonatal jaundice is an, is a common side effect of Pitocin, which oh. is what they use to induce you. And do you think they sat me down and told me the possible risks or the possible things to look out for in my baby after birth because of the Pitocin they were giving me? No, no one sat me down and told me all of that. They just said, this is what we do. And so looking back, there were many things where I was like, I did not feel like I was well-informed. I did not feel like someone gave me the control or the power to make the decisions for myself and my baby. Um, And I didn't feel supported at all. I felt like I was always having to fight them. Thank goodness I had a doula. That was part of the reason we had a doula was <laughs> so that I didn't have to fight them while also going through labor. Um, and then it also freed Avery up to be emotionally in tune with me and he didn't have to fight them. But all of that to be said, when we got pregnant with Jeannie, I was like, um, yeah, I don't really want to go back into a hospital. Like I'm I'd rather not. I'm a healthy young woman. I've had no problem getting pregnant. I've had no complications during pregnancy. I see no severe need to walk myself into a hospital to give birth again. Um, In fact, I might bite someone's head off if they tried to walk me into a hospital to give birth again. So I was like, okay, I'll just do a birth center. Like that's a happy medium. Home birth seems a bit extreme, but a birth center would be nice. And then turns out in Alabama, we're a bit behind the curve. We're not as far ahead as like California or New Mexico or any of the, you know, West coast or even East coast. Mm -hmm. So our options as far as birthing are essentially hospital or home. There's not, there's (laughs) maybe like the first birth center going in four hours North of me. Um, and so I was like, Oh, interesting. Okay. How do I convince Avery to do a home birth? (laughs) Cause I'm not going into a hospital. And, uh, that was a test of faith in God. And, um, yeah, throughout Jeannie's entire pregnancy, there was a lot going on with Avery's career in the military with the year of the, you know, what, and so there was that stressor about like, we might be losing our career, his, his career. Um, and then there was also me trying to find a midwife anywhere that could come to me that, you know was available for the birth and all this stuff. And it looked like it wasn't going to happen. And so there was a night at like 28 weeks pregnant where I just broke down crying in the shower after Avery and I had gone to adoration together. And I was just like, okay, it's going to be a hospital birth. Like, okay, fine. Like I've, I have literally Googled every surrounding state. I've looked at every single midwife. Um, just when I thought I'd found the one, she was like a Reiki practitioner. And I was like, oh, I can't do that. I can't, I can't bring that into my birth. Like as much as I would love a home birth, I don't love it enough to, you know, have pagan rituals included in it. Um, and so I just was like, fine. I like, it's a hospital birth. I'll stop fighting. I'll stop looking. I'll stop searching. I'll stop fighting. And a week later, a girl messaged me on Instagram. She'd been following me for years back when Avery and I first got married and was like, have you found a midwife yet? And I was like, nope, it's going to be a hospital birth. She was like, no, let me get you in touch with my uh, grandma. She's been doing this for 30 to 40 years because she's been doing it for so long. She doesn't have a website or anything set up. Like, It's all just like totally word of mouth. But we live in the area. She lives like 45 minutes from you. Like, 
would you like her info? And I was like, are you kidding me? Yes. Give me her info right now. Um, (laughs) And then we met her and it was like, God just placed her on our doorstep. She was in our budget. Like some of the things we were looking for was budget if we were in their vicinity and if they were Christian and she was all of those things. And then she, in talking to her about birth, she kept talking about, like she kept including God in the picture about pregnancy and birth. And I just, that is hard to find. You don't find that very often because it's not politically correct to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But to acknowledge the physical and mental and emotional sides of birth and pregnancy is good, but you also have to acknowledge the spiritual aspect of it. Um, And so when that's lacking, like you miss out on a whole realm of connection with both God and your child before they're even born. And so I was hooked. We were hooked. And looking back, it was such a gift that none of the other ones worked out because Jeannie ended up being breech, which we found out that there's three different kinds of breech. If we were in the hospital, it didn't matter what kind of breech she was. You were going to be a C-section no matter what, because they don't have any of the training to properly deliver a breech baby. So for them, that's emergency, that's stress, that's like, there's no options. Yeah, which is fascinating to me. Like, how yes, same as how do you work in OB and not have any training? Exactly. Same, 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 same. Or anything. Yeah. Yeah. So the three things of breach are there's Frank breach where their butt's down first. And that's like their butt is doing the same thing as their head to your cervix. So you should be able to deliver a Frank baby, Frank breach baby, just as you would deliver a regular head down baby. Um, there's footling breech baby where their feet are like in your cervix. That one can be tricky. Uh, but my midwife had experience delivering footling breech babies. So I was like, cool. What are the odds? Only 30 to 40 years of experience would actually do that for you. Um, <laughs> and then the other one is transverse where they're essentially sideways. And that one, I understand that is a C-section. There's no way for your baby to push down on the cervix to kind of like, it's just impossible. That one, yes, would require a C-section. Um, Jeannie was Frank breach, but first we went and had an ultrasound done. Her cord was fine. Cause sometimes the problem with breech babies is their breach because the pl- placenta is positioned higher up and the cord's short. And so it's just the only way that they can be. And if the cord's too short, then they can't come out of the birth canal and, you know, yeah. C-section naturally that would be what you would do. Mm-hmm. Um, but cord was fine, but was first, no feet were in the way. And we were like, all right, let's do this. And our midwife was like, let's do this. I've done this before. This is not foreign to me. Uh, You guys have looked at all the risks. We've talked about all the risks. There are essentially none. She's essentially as in position as a head down baby would be. Mm -hmm. And we were like, cool. Um, Such a God thing. All of the other midwives likely would have been like, sorry, we got to send you to the hospital um, for a (laughs) C-section, which would have been horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, So... I end up in labor. I don't know it's labor. I think it's prodromal labor. I think it's just going to come and go. Um, It happens for about two hours before I realize it's like, oh, this is like actually labor. I've I'd been in the bath for a bit. I told Avery I had to tap out of parenting. Looking back, those things should have told me that this wasn't just like, you know, prodromal labor, Raxton Hicks. This was like legit. Um, And I was kind of keeping tabs with my midwife and letting her know where I was at. And she was like, okay, I think I'm going to start heading your way. And then at around like 630, I told Avery, hey, you need to come in here and like give me back pressure or something or help me out. So he put Carrie down, came in, was helping me out. I stood up over the side of our bed at one point and my water broke naturally. 
And I was like, that was the coolest freaking thing ever. Because it didn't hurt, did it? It didn't hurt. It was relief. It happened totally spontaneously on its own. I literally took a second to take a picture of my broken waters on the floor. What did I think I was going to do with that photo? I don't know. But I was like, this is the coolest thing Wait, I love that so much. This is so redemptive (laughs) for me. Like, that was, I I think it was possible. I think only, like, us women would understand, like, how cool that is. That's so cute. Right, right. That's awesome. And so then I was like, oh, just like in the movies like that's wild and then we I said we need to go to the bath I need or the shower I wanted hot water on my back so we're in the bath and then all of a sudden I'm like I'm bearing down my water just broke I've only been in labor well you know at this point it's technically been like three hours but in my head it had only really been like 45 minutes and so I was like I can't not push right now I don't want to be on wet tile I don't want to be in the shower so we went right back to the same position that we were where the water broke but on towels this time and all of a sudden from the minute water broke to the minute genie was born was a total of seven minutes so we like went into the shower came back to the side of the bed and had genie avery coached me through the whole thing was like she's like talking about the risks that we talked about like foot didn't come first it was her butt she's good both feet are out cords not wrapped around anything here she comes like he is the best breech birther OB Let's in go, the state of Alabama. <laughs> um, and this whole time, no one's there. It's just us. We didn't know it was going to happen this quick. I had no clue what my body was going to do naturally when it wasn't touched by the medical staff. Um, and I just remember looking at Avery once he handed Jeannie to me. I'm like standing up over the bed, holding Jeannie, getting into bed. And I remember looking at him and being like, thank you for trusting me. Because I know he did not, he was not thrilled about a home birth, um, but he wasn't thrilled about a hospital either. He he understood totally where I was with that, but just out of a realm of providing and protecting and like fear of the what ifs, mm-hmm. uh, he just wasn't super stoked about a home birth. And it was much more of a Meg fought hard enough. I'll give it to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I just looked at him and said, thank you for trusting me. And we both were like, we had five minutes essentially until our midwife and my doula walked up into the room and were like, oh my gosh, you did it. And this five minutes of just us three in our master bedroom, like heaven touched earth or something like there, there will be nothing else that compares unless we like intentionally choose to free birth, which I don't think will ever happen. Um, But you just think about the intimacy that it takes to create a child and to conceive a child And then when you also birth that child in the same level of intimacy and sacredness and quietness, it's just like so full circle and it just makes so much sense. And I mean, there's no, there's no possible way he and I could get any closer than that. Like, (laughs) you know, like we just did the whole summation of it all to beginning here, beginning to end, like the whole thing. Um, And then it was just really neat too, because my midwife came in with her assistant and her assistant at the time was still nursing her youngest. So she brought her youngest baby and laid her baby on the bed. And it was just these women helping me, talking to me, like no one was hovering over me. No one was, you know, jabbing the baby, poking the baby with things like roughly, you know, clothing the baby or whatever. Nothing, nothing was happening. It was just Meg on her time. No one was pressing pressing on my stomach to remove the placenta. No one was going to cut the cord off of Jeannie right away. No one, like nothing. We were just hanging out, talking, 
like 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 it was a normal girl hangout day and I was like this makes so much sense and Avery even said he was like it was so cool just seeing how much more at peace and chipper you were after having Carrie or after having Jeannie versus after having Carrie in the hospital like after having Carrie in the hospital there was a bit of like what's happening what's going on yeah there's so much happening it's frantic and then after Jeannie, it was just like another day with my girlfriend. <laughs> oh my and then God. my doula like walked me, you know, five feet down our little hallway in our master bedroom and helped me wash off in my shower. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got right back in bed and my midwives had cleaned the sheets off the bed and everything. And I was in my house, in my bed with my husband. And it was just like, this is how it's supposed to be yeah. like for birth for the rest of my life. For for women in general, but I will only claim it for myself until everyone else decides they also want that for them. <laughs> Literally, um, desires, but yeah, desires, so many desires right there. I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> I I think one of the saddest videos I've ever seen is because I think I follow a lot of the birth accounts that you do, Megan, on mm, Instagram. Just they're the good births, and the, they're so holy and yes. they're so good. I think one of the the saddest videos I've ever seen is, you know, these hospital births. And I'm, I'm so sorry for the, the pain that you went through. Or I should say you and Avery. Um, that hospital birth happened for a reason. I'm so sorry yeah. that you went through that. Um, totally. But I don't know if you've, if you've seen it. There's this video of obviously the mom is in labor. She's trying to push out this baby. And, mm-hmm. you know, the dad is there as he should mm-hmm. be and the nurses and the doctors are i you can't really see them but like they're just screaming out they're like dad get out of the way get out of the way get out we have to do this like you stop stop holding your leg we have to wow. move move and they're trying to get the dad out of the way and it was like mm. Mm. yeah <clears throat> that would make me mad Avery literally literally, to help there. yeah last appointment that my midwife and her assistant came to a couple days ago Avery asked them to run by the emergency plan again one more time. Like if I do need to be transferred afterwards, hemorrhaging, whatever, um, or or during, just like what's the plan look like? <laughs> it's a very marine question yeah, of him. Sure. Yes. Uh, but then he said, What does it look like with you guys there? Like, given that you will likely be there on time this time and it won't just be me. What does it look like? Because I remember what it was like in the hospital when they were all up in your business and all this stuff. Like what? And my midwife was like, no, I prefer the hands in pocket standing in the corner of the room, just, you know, keeping tabs on everything. And if there is anything I feel like I need to step in for, I want to first coach you through it if possible and then take take it on myself. And I was like, good answer. Good answer. Yeah, answer. <laughs> great, great answer, actually. Great and Avery answer. was like, wow, OK, cool. That's night and day different from what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, there, there's such an opportunity to be had with your marriage and with your spouse and your best friend and including them in this. And I know it feels so foreign and like weird and whack to most guys until they're in it. But it starts in pregnancy when you start reading, you know, birthing books together or like you start practicing different, like, okay, apply hip pressure here or like have her hang on you this way. Practice that when you're pregnant. It's going to make you giggle. You're going to feel so stupid, but it's going to bring you guys a lot closer. And then you feel prepared together. You feel like a team. And 
those are the kind of things that just add to your toolbox as a couple of like, we can take on anything. Like we can, we have done this before. This is our child. This is our parenthood. This isn't just a her thing. And I think that's kind of the beauty of NFP and tracking and including your husband in that as well. I think yes. they all play so beautifully together. Yeah. Um, shout out to the Catholic church for that one. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, it makes me so sad when husbands are so removed or, or like you were saying, pushed to the side by the staff or whomever else. I, that's a missed opportunity. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, this is, it, everything is a team effort in different <laughs> ways, but again, complimentary. And I think it's so, there are so many videos and, you know, it's, it's in TV shows as well. It's in real life. Um, and I'm sure some of them are, are meant as jokes, but a lot of them aren't where the woman will say, you know, like, oh, well, it's my birth or mm-hmm. you know, my, my uterus. Like, you know, if I'm pushing the baby out, you don't get a say in all that. Yes. Stuff, you know? Yeah. And it's, that's his child too. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's his and I, that was the tempting part for me regarding fighting a hospital birth with Jeannie. I would go tooth and nail uh, for against Avery and just be like, I'm the one that has to birth this baby. Like I'm the one that takes on the actual physical trauma of this. Mm-hmm. Like, and eventually I had to realize, okay, that cannot be your selling point for this. Like yeah. <laughs> that is valid. It yes, is true, exactly. but that cannot be the reason you get to trump all of his opinions, thoughts, worries, desires, whatever for this baby as well. Um, And so once we were able to find common ground and acknowledge that, yes, Meg, that is accurate, um, but here's why I'm a bit hesitant, (laughs) then we were able to move forward. Um, Because, yeah, I mean, with an attitude like that, you're just going to push him away. He's going to be like, fine, I don't want to be included. Mm. Like, (laughs) cool, fine, you make all the decisions. It's the last thing you want for your birth, whether you know it or not. But then also that same mentality trickles into parenting. Mm. Fine. I'm not going to I'm not going to help because everything I do is wrong. You criticize everything I do. You criticize the way I put them to bed. You criticize the way I put on the diaper. You whatever because you think you can do it best. You think you whatever. You have to learn how to shut your mouth (laughs) and step back and let them learn alongside you Um, because there's not just one way to do things. You can't tell him to do something and then tell him how to do it. You get to choose one or the other. Um, so I, yeah, it, it all, it all plays into each other from pregnancy to birth to, to parenting. So would that be part of your advice for first time moms? So, you know, either while you were pregnant, you know, with Charlie and then Carrie and then Jeannie and now baby boy, um, or, you know, in that newborn stage or, or whatever. So what advice do you wish you'd been given as you were prepping for um, for birth yeah. and newborn stage? And then along with newborn stage, like what are your must-have items? Okay. Um, what I wish I had been told when I was pregnant with my first was actually something that I was told. Avery and I were just talking about it the other day, how we went from when I was in college and we were dating – I was the kind of girl, even in high school, I was the kind of girl who was like, I have a horrible pain tolerance. I'm going to want all the pain drugs during, during birth, like shoot me up. Like I went, that was the language I was speaking for a very, very long time. Like step on a Lego, 
kill me you know rub your <laughs> hit your toe on this freaking door I don't know whatever I'm like in tears and like on the verge of swearing so I was like heck no am I gonna be able to manage birth very well and then Avery was like how did we jump from that to where we are now <laughs> and I was like honestly the first person that said anything beautiful encouraging life-giving and just like on fire about birth um was Keely she was a girlfriend of mine in San Diego when we lived there and we were we met her one night with her and her husband and somehow we're like it's a whole bunch of different you know 20 to 28 year old Catholic people and people are drinking we're playing quiplash like it's not a scene where you would expect women to passionately discuss birth yeah. um <laughs> I sat down next to her on the couch and she starts telling me about the birth of her first and only child at the time and she was like I mean I was like walking around the room after natural birth that was like the whole thing she talked about how beautiful birth was and how awesome it was and how like wow. kick-ass essentially it was <laughs> to to do it and to go through it and to feel everything and to like accomplish that as a woman and I was sitting there thinking, I have never heard anyone talk about birth like this before. And then I was starting to wonder, like, why she's the first person. And then I realized everyone else that had talked about birth prior were the ones that went in for the medical interventions, were the ones that went in already requesting the drugs, were the ones that were like, I can't wait longer than 40 weeks, induce me now. And it was like a whole the whole mentality surrounding birth for each group obviously there's stereotypes for a reason and not everyone conforms to the stereotypes but the the stereotype i was seeing and the trend i was seeing was the moms that went in with a beautiful positive i mean mentality around birth were the moms that were wanted to have authority over the decisions for them and their children the moms that took ownership and educated themselves on pregnancy and birth and the moms that wanted to go the most natural, holistic route that God had designed their bodies for. Those were the women who shared the positive things about birth and made it very inspiring and encouraging. And something that I was like, wait, I kind of have FOMO. Like, I kind of want that joy. Like, I want to experience what you're experiencing as a woman. Like, that's so freaking cool. And then the other group that was like, it sucks, shoot me up, like, whatever. I was like, I don't choose between two experiences I think I would rather have Keely's experience here this sounds way more fun so that was the advice she gave me without knowing that it was advice she just shared her experience and it like was a light bulb moment for me where I was like whoa there's an alternative option here like there's another way birth could unfold and pregnancy could unfold and my whole view of motherhood could like be better um so I think if anything maybe start to figure out who you're surrounding yourself by and where you're gaining the perception of motherhood and birth and pregnancy from and see what it's doing to you internally. And then maybe challenge yourself to jump into the other category for a bit and ask someone else who maybe has a totally different opinion or view on those things yeah. um, and just see what it does to you. See, see where it takes you. Um, because that was the turning point for me. And I wasn't even pregnant at the time. <laughs> And here we are, you know, years later where I'm like, I will never, unless given an emergency medical reason, I will never step foot in the hospital to birth a child again. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, That was the best. And then as far as must have items for new moms, 
the more kids we have, the more I realize you really don't need anything. The biggest, I mean, the biggest things I would invest in as a mom personally, so this maybe isn't a baby item, it's more of just like a motherhood item, is meals postpartum, support postpartum, things like a lactation consultant if you need them, things like placenta encapsulation if you decided to do that. Um, all the things for the mother's health and well-being, like that's what I would focus on and spend the most and save the most money for. Um, but as far as baby items specifically, I would recommend having the active skin repair for babies. It's on Amazon. Any of Primally Pure's baby powder or their baby balm or baby lotion, whatever it's called. It's got mm -hmm. tallow in it and like calendula oil and like all the great things. It has healed so many rashes for our kids. Um, or you also need to have a sound machine. That's like a no, like you can't go without a sound machine. That's the best. And then <laughs> once you have more than one baby, and even if you have one baby, having a solid wrap or carrier um, yes. is the best. My favorite has become the baby Bajorn. Um, I love the Sakura Bloom, I think is what they're called, or Sakura ones, but they are wildly expensive. So <laughs> I have not jumped on that train yet. Um, but I prefer one with a bit more support than um, the wraps because the wraps are very cute and very soft but they're a pain in the butt to put on um and I don't feel like I have as much back support with it so oh, okay. those are the baby items I'd recommend all right wow well speaking of speaking of backs um wow I am totally blanking on the word but you take your your babies and your kids to a chiropractor Yes. Yes. Can you discuss yes. a little bit about that? That I have also following you since I was in high school. So when you and oh my first God. got married, so wow. yes. And I've noticed that you. I don't want to say recently, but you do take your kids. Mm -hmm. But I do, to, yeah, yeah, to the chiropractor, and like I've just been yeah. so fascinated by that because my dad, um, he's had three, four, three, three back surgeries, and so wow. we have like kind of back issues in my family um, okay so can you talk a little bit yeah. more about that yeah, yeah. wasn't um, Jeannie, like didn't didn't you post something about Jeannie being adjusted like a day 24 after? hours after yes yeah. yes yeah. and then oh, I think man, you also talked about like because it was also so thank you for just saying everything but um <laughs> how <laughs> um but you talked about how it's it not in a negative sense, but like it birth is a traumatic it's a trauma. Event. It's a trauma. It's a trauma, on trauma your body. That yeah. Your body goes through, but it's also a trauma that the baby, baby yep. goes through because it's a huge emergence from inside the womb to inside the womb. So the fact that you like right. phrase it that way, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Trauma isn't an inherently like evil thing that you're in the pits about and have to, you know, crawl out of and seek help for and everything. But it is something to acknowledge, like your body goes through this physical toil. Like, I don't even remember the stats on it, but something about the units of pain mothers endure during birth, whether they physically feel like they're in pain or not. And like the way that their body works and the exertion and the protein that they need post-birth and all this stuff, like it is beyond female athletes. So it, it is a trauma that your body takes on and female athletes after they, you know, perform and whatnot, there's ice baths, there's rolling, there's stretching, there's massages, there's whatever. So if you're not even like in that same mindset with birth, like you are missing out and your poor body <laughs> is like, help me. <laughs> um, 
And then same thing for your baby. Your baby has just been squished and squeezed through this birth canal for however long and has dealt with contractions and is now in the real world and there's lights and maybe in the womb, they were in this weird position. And so they have like a tendency to turn their head to the left or whatnot. And every time you switch sides with them in the middle of the night to nurse them, they cry and scream. And it's like, they, they need help. You got to help their bodies out a little bit here. Um, and so Avery actually introduced me to the chiropractor. I'd never heard of one, I don't think, or knew anything about them till we were married. And then it was my first Mother's Day. I was pregnant with Carrie and he gifted me like a set number of chiropractic adjustments <laughs> for Mother's Day. Wow. Wow. And I was kind of like, uh, thanks. I don't really know what to do with this. Um, but we've been going since and I'm obviously hooked. I drank the Kool-Aid. Um but we've never had, and all of our kids have been adjusted. Carrie was adjusted a couple weeks after she was born, I believe, because of the NICU. And then you just, you, you don't leave. And him coming to us wasn't an option because we lived on base. And so Carrie was a couple weeks after she was born. Jeannie was 24 hours after she was born. Um, and praise God, because that helped us realize Jeannie's tongue tie um, and what we needed to do regarding that. Uh, but we've never had earaches we've never had colicky babies we've never had and I can't say that chiropractic changed at all for us um but those are those are good things to not have to have come across yet you know and they're very very common things that a lot of moms struggle with um if your baby has reflux if you're like any of that kind of stuff chiropractic adjustments can really really help the baby and then obviously for mom chiropractic adjustments are the best especially when you're pregnant. Oh my word. If you were to do just like a couple things like drink red raspberry leaf tea to tone your uterus, because the more tone your uterus has, it's a muscle. It's got to work really hard, right? Then the harder and the more efficient it can work come the day it's called upon. And it's actually been proven to speed up labor. And looking back, I'm like, oh, well, no crap. Like, oh, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then chiropractic adjustments, giving your baby the most ample amount of room to move, helping your body not be in a tight and um just like a tight spot already before it's even born. Like everything's loose, everything's able to move, your muscles are fine, they're in alignment. That's huge for how your birth goes, you know. That's huge for baby's positioning and the like the baby not being squished and crammed and stressed out in there. Um and then this one I'm going to share, it's totally TMI, but like keep having sex until the very end of your pregnancy okay. and it is going to make your labor better. And it is going to possibly like, people are always like, I'm going on a walk to, you know, induce labor. And I'm like, just go back to the bedroom with your husband. Like, <laughs> why are you eating so, dates? No, thank you. No, thank you for saying that. Cause it's always, you know, it's in France. It's in the movie shows. It's like, you know, sex is like the number one way to like speed it up is. labor. Okay. At at the hospital, they'll give you what's called Cervidil. I believe it's called Cervidil. I always get it confused with Gardasil. Gardasil is a vaccine. Cervidil is, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's Cervidil that they give you. And it's like a man-made, like, it, I think they called it pig semen in the hospital. And I was like, that's freaking disgusting. What? But it's, mm -hmm. it's a synthetic version of what comes out of your husband when you guys have sex together. So huh. why would you not just... Do it the, you know, crunchy, holistic <laughs> way and do it the way you created this child. Um, I kid you not, Jeannie's labor started 30 minutes after Avery and I had sex. So 
Oh my god! And then it was like a four hours from start to finish. So (laughs) I'm just saying there's so many things you can do to help your body. And there are things that you have to take ownership of. And there are things that you have to educate yourself on. Um, So it's stuff that you're not going to get told. That your biggest takeaway for women is to do some research and learn yes. some things about their bodies and mm-hmm. about motherhood in general. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Funny and how just, I yeah. feel like people, they just don't think that they no. You know, I think it's because we're, we want to, okay. Honestly, I can't tell if it's because people are lazy and they don't want to do the research or because they want to trust, you know, I think it's both. I, oh, I, yeah. I, I would agree because I think I didn't expect because it's not like it's a malicious intent when no. you go into the doctor the hospital like it's not like the nurses or the midwives are talking. doing this out of like they hate you and they get like a kick out of you know withholding information but I think it's just because like they're not trained that way they're conditioned one way they're taught one way they're trained one way and that's just what they do and and you trust that they have their best interest your best interest at heart which they they might and they probably will say they do mm-hmm. but how can you determine what your best interest is if you don't have all the information mm-hmm. and if you don't have options and if you can't like discuss things with them without them shutting down and saying well that's just not an option because that's just not what we do and it's like are you willing to like talk about it like are we allowed to discuss yeah. this um and then i also do think part of it is laziness because um, not that I don't want people to reach out to me and ask questions, um, but the amount of questions that I'll get asked about things are they're things that I had to search for myself. Mm. So, and I think that's an important part of it because while it's easier to just have me regurgitate it to you, and I don't mind telling you all of this stuff, mm. there's an aspect of you deciding to search for the information yourself, of yeah. you taking initiative and making the decision yourself without outside influence, because what's the difference between trusting your doctor or trusting this girl on Instagram that you follow and you like the way she talks about birth, you know? Yeah, exactly. You need to take that for yourself. It goes back to what you were saying about basically uh, embracing that, uh, that natural authority Mm -hmm. that that you've been given over yourself, over your children, over your birth. Yes. Um, Yeah. All that sort of thing. Because if you're not if you're not willing to do that, how can you raise children who are going right. to be that way in the future? Right. Um, yeah. That's pretty no, yeah. It's, it's the same way with, with teaching. I there's just so many similar this entire episode, there's just so many similarities between teaching and motherhood. And there there's a we're in a national reading epidemic, like that's how bad it's gotten. No one can read nowadays. So it's the same thing really? as going in. Yeah. Wow. And I don't know these things. I was homeschooled my whole life and I'm homeschooled my kids. I don't, I'm under a rock. It's, it's scary and it's sad. So okay. it's the same thing as going into the doctors and you're trusting that they have your mm-hmm. best interests at heart and they do have this knowledge and it's so good. Same thing is if you do public school and private school, you're going to send your kids to, you know, this teacher that you don't really get the opportunity to choose them. So it's like you're at the mercy of, okay, I'm giving you my child. I'm expecting you to yeah. teach him. A, B, C, one, two, three, this totally. is red, this is blue, this is whatever, whatever. And like, that is a lot of pressure, but you, especially the, they have the natural right 
to learn how to read. And so yeah. when teachers 50 years ago that were being taught, you know, phonics and phonemic awareness, all the things, and that was, that's solid. That's foundational skills that we need to teach our kids when learning how to read the sounds and the letters and all the things. But now here in the past couple decades, it's moving away from, oh, let's completely get rid of phonics and let's teach you, okay, little Johnny, here's this picture. Let the picture help you with the word. Okay, so let's look at the word. Look at the picture. What's the word? That's not reading. You're literally <laughs> teaching your child how to guess. And then the yeah. same thing with, okay, let's look at this word. Oh, you don't know what it is? Look at the first letter and think of a word that might make sense in that sentence. And it's like, that's oh, not- geez. That's literally interesting. What, exactly. And so it's, it frustrates me to no end because I'm thinking about how many kids nowadays or people, I guess, don't know how to read because their teachers had hopefully good intentions, but basically they screwed them up because it's like they were taught incorrectly how to right, teach. How to teach. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. It's just, it just keeps going if we don't <laughs> do our own research and make our own decisions. Right. Right. If you as a parent don't decide, okay, wait, maybe I should be playing a role in this child yeah. that I created. <laughs> maybe. Possibly. I know. I know. <laughs> okay. We have a, a, a few more questions for you. Okay. Uh, so one of the big ones, uh, especially now, is how can friends suppo- support their postpartum friends? So like, mm. you know, I have a friend who will be you know, giving birth actually around the same time as you. So it's her first baby. How do I support her? You know, Um, if you are in the vicinity of that friend, offer your time Mm -hmm. like free of charge to fold laundry, to do the dishes, to come vacuum the house, to come sit and just be a listening ear, ask them up front, like, or even give them a list, like a numbered list, like, Hey, congrats on the baby. I want to do, I'm doing one, at least one of these things. Please choose from the list. What would be the most helpful for you? Mm-hmm. Like what would be the most comfortable for you? Because some moms are like, yes, come hold the baby. Yes. Come and sit and talk with me. And some moms are like, I just want my chores taken care of. And I don't want to have to talk to anyone. I just want to be sleeping. You know, um, everyone has a different, you know, tolerance and personality. So make it aware that like you, you cannot turn down my offer. But I do want it to fit whatever you need best. Or if what you need isn't on this list, like, let me know. Tell me. I just want to help however I can. Um, That would be the number one thing, especially because the postpartum, the lack of postpartum help and support in the U.S. is just horrible. Um, Most people don't have a mom or a grandma that comes and lives with them for 40 days after and cooks them nourishing food and takes care of all the chores and, and holds the baby while they shower. Most don't have that. So find how you can fill those gaps and kind of be that even if just for an hour here, an hour there um, or whatnot. Obviously, food is the best, best, best gift postpartum, um, especially when it's home cooked. And for some reason, this stuck out to me with Jeannie's postpartum. So maybe this will be helpful for (laughs) for someone. But I had so many meals delivered to me that had pasta and red sauce in them, like lasagna, spaghetti, like baked ziti because they're easy easy, but I was like I'm going to throw this out Uh, the window if someone sends me one more meal with noodles and red sauce just a little bit this is awful 
Um, one, because it becomes repetitive. And then two, also because it's like, I need protein. I need like, I want something that's comforting, which not big ZD is pretty good. Uh, but still, so take that in mind. If you, if you do like to cook or you do like to bake, maybe get creative, look on Pinterest for like lactation cookies or for like nourishing postpartum meals and be like, you know, I'm going to try this out and see what happens. Um, and then, okay. If she's far away, if if she's she's far far away away, and on a military base. Oh, that really sets her up for failure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If she's far away, then door dashing meals is the best or even just giving door dash gift cards. So then they can choose because sometimes cravings are different or they're getting, you know, red sauce and noodles all the time. (laughs) They want to choose something else. (laughs) Um, I had a friend offer to hire a cleaning service and she was just like, what day, what time works for you? I want to hire a cleaning service to come into the home. And I was like, wow, that's a gift. Um, what else? Obviously cards, like cards, letters, just like things that are very thoughtful. And I was thinking of if you send any sort of gift for the baby, make sure to include something for the mom. Like everyone's coming over to look at the baby. Everyone wants to hold the baby, meet the baby, whatever. Your girlfriend just went through this thing that she's never done before. She's in this season of life that she's never been in before. A lot's happening to her emotionally, Mm -hmm. physically, all these things. And she needs to know that there's still people that are like thinking of her too. Uh, Because the last thing you want is for it to just be like, yeah, the baby's all that matters. (laughs) You know, like you birthed a child. Thank you. We will run off with the child now and you will not be talked to, you know? Um, not that I have any sort of trauma surrounding that myself, but I just know that happens very often with moms. So whether it's like a robe or slippers or, I mean, a Starbucks gift card, because then it's like just for mom. She gets mm-hmm. to choose what drink, you know, she wants to have delivered or whatnot. Um, that kind of stuff. That's kind of, yeah. I mean, and then I guess another thing that I've offered to moms before is covering the first chiropractic adjustment for their baby. So like if they, if they're having colicky, a colicky baby, or they think they suspect an ear infection, or they're just having a hard time, their baby's crying a lot and whatnot. I'm like, Hey, is there a chiropractor that you've been to that you trust or like, or would you like me to schedule that? I don't want to step on toes. Like, I don't want to yeah. just, you know, tell you like, hey, take him to the chiropractor, but I'm totally willing to cover the cost of it. I think it might be worth a shot. And that's been a gift for a couple of my mom friends before too. Same thing with like lactation consultants, whatever things that kind of come up out of the blue. So services more so than yeah, visible items sometimes. Yeah. Because yeah. Really yeah. sometimes a robe is like irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I really actually need a chiropractic adjustment. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm really glad you brought that up because I think just in general, it's been kind of ingrained in us, you know, yeah, not on purpose, but like, oh, here's something for the baby or even mm-hmm. just, even if it is something for mom, it's still something. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even, even like a, like a postpartum massage or because I know there's masseuses that'll come to the house and the, oh, wow. the hospital in Ooh. certain hospitals they'll say like included in our birthing package is a postpartum massage and it was horrible it was so lame but so <laughs> but, but I would love like that would be such a gift like to be treated that um and it would actually be physically helping the mother like it wouldn't just be yeah. like a nice a nice thoughtful gift 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Those are all good. So Lorraine, good. let me know what you want. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the list was good enough. <laughs> hope I didn't miss anything. No, it was, it was actually very, very good. Cause my other kinder teacher, um, down the hall, she, long story short, she was supposed to be giving birth to her baby boy mid-September, but he came two, two and a half weeks early. And wow. so he's been in the NICU. And Aww. long story short, I mean, she's been sending us pictures and it's just the coolest thing. So she's been in the NICU for the past couple of days. And I, the other kinder teacher and I are like, how can we be here for you? Like, and she's, yeah. and she's so sweet. She's like, how are the kinders going? Like, how's, oh. how's teaching going? Because school's just started for us, like, mid-August. And then she, like, it was, wow. well, like, a week and a half and then two weeks to school. And then, boom, like, she was there in the morning. And then she left that school day because she says, quote, unquote, she could feel him, like, yeah. coming. And so yeah. it was, like, very rapid. Did not even yeah. get to have the planned um wow making blank on the word not gender reveal party but the baby shower and mm-hmm. so like now she's having a, a drive through not drive through yeah or I guess like a drive through she's invited like both of us and so you've inspired me um she was like I mean any gifts for the baby like that'd be really great but then I texted her and I was like what can I do for you like what would yeah. you like and she she gave an interesting response she said um bags for her uh breast milk and I was like okay mm. I can see that. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Like perfect. Bags. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> I don't know because that's bags. the thing too is I feel like a lot of times one we don't want to ask, and then yeah. two, we don't always know what we need. Like yes. unless we have like a specific need like that where we're like, oh my gosh, I totally don't have enough of these, or I'm using this at a rapid pace, and I did not see this coming. Um, a lot of times it's like we don't even know what we need. Uh, so things like house cleaner. When when my friend said that, I was like are you like my guardian angel? (laughs) So nice. (laughs) That would be amazing because then it's also a gift for Avery and my kids and everybody gains back some time and some rest from that gift. Um, So yeah, milk bags, send it. (laughs) Well, I'm sure through each pregnancy journey, Megan, you've gone through changes, you've gone through ups and downs. Um, So in a very beautiful ways you've gone through how has your view of motherhood changed especially now that you're adding mm. a baby boy to the I mix. know I'm so excited I, I've grown in excitement for a baby boy oh. at first I was like what the actual heck do I do with a boy um but <laughs> yeah, two beautiful as, girls <laughs> thank you as far as my view of motherhood having changed I think the most helpful thing that happened during this pregnancy in the past couple of months um, just through spiritual direction and just like self self work um, was realizing that it's not motherhood necessarily. That's really hard. It's not that I'm struggling with motherhood. It's that you're being motherhood reveals um, where your weaknesses are, where your wounds are, where your triggers are. And so once you have to, once you become aware of those, or you start getting hit with those and having to navigate what's going on and where this is coming from, And you have to dive into those and mend them and rewire them after having, you know, been conditioned for years to think the way you do or to respond the way that you do to certain things. You don't realize it until you've got a little kid in front of you who is causing you to respond in these ways. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this is not acceptable whatsoever. But I don't know where this is coming from. And so I think that that's what's hard about motherhood is like figuring out, okay, 
I'm going to love this kid. I'm going to continue to parent them, but I also need to give myself grace. And I need to understand that I am having to rewire and retrain my brain in a lot of ways and my responses in a lot of ways. That's what's hard. It's not because motherhood is inherently hard or evil. It's the work of growing and self-awareness and virtue that is the hard work, but that's good. And that's really refreshing for me to hear at least because it's like, that's good work to do. Like that's gonna, yeah. that's valuable work. And it's not just like, wow, I'm not meant for motherhood. I'm a horrible mother. I, you know, like we were talking about earlier, yeah. I'm failing my kids. I'm messing them up. I'm whatever. My brain doesn't go to that anymore. Cause it's like, no, it's not, it's not motherhood. It's not your kids. <laughs> like it's a, it's a use you issue. Mm-hmm. Like it's your brain. It's the way you're wired. <laughs> it's the way you were raised, the experiences you've had. That's why you're doing the things that you are. And, and you could fix that. You're totally capable of like controlling that and fixing that. So yeah. that's how that's how it's changed. And I was very grateful when I realized that because it was like, man, I thought I always wanted to be a mom. I thought, you know, being a mom was going to be a lot of fun. And it's like, yeah, it's not even about motherhood. Like The kids are the ones that are just, you know, showing you things about yourself. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with of us. Course. Of course. <laughs> That's really good to type wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So as we wrap up, there's something that we ask all of okay. our guests every week. And it is what is your holy spontaneity moment? Oh, okay. My holy spontaneity moment for this week was um, okay, so it's gonna require a little bit of backstory to understand why it was like such a big deal Mm -hmm. uh we had just received a fertility tracking monitor to start tracking my cycle postpartum Mm -hmm. the same day that I found out we were pregnant with this boy Mm -hmm. and so it was the first time in our marriage that we had discerned over months and with our priest and with God individually and collectively that maybe my physiological and mental health was important to navigate and put children on hold for a month or two. And so we got this monitor in. We, I was like, cute, cute monitor. I'm going to open that box and check it out later, figure out how to use it. Went to the bathroom, peed on a sticks, felt nauseous that day, found out we were pregnant. And I was like, this has to be a sick joke. Um, so I was like, wow, God, really? We just spent like nine months praying every month for yeah, not discernment. I know for discernment on what to do with children, we felt like we had finally arrived at a, you know, decision and now I'm pregnant again. Okay. So lots of different God moments have happened since finding out we were pregnant. One of them being that suddenly all of the mental things I was struggling with just were gone. It was Mm -hmm. gone. I was back to normal. Baseline was back to normal. And I was like, wow. Okay. As if God couldn't, you know, take care of that for me. And then Another thing was finding out that it was a boy. That was a gift for us just because, you know, we have two girls. It would be fun to have a boy. There's a little bit of novelty when you have your first boy or your first girl, just like when you have your first baby. Um, And then the most recent one that's a holy spontaneity moment is that we, I, I worried about postpartum and I worried about how it would go and the support we would have. Avery's in school full time, just like there's a lot going on. And so the the holy spontaneity moment i guess you could say this week is that we got word that he is going to be granted the 12 weeks postpartum that the military has recently added 
and we were just for sure I'm just always like I said at the beginning I'm always for sure setting my expectations like so low especially with the military I'm just like I don't want to get you know devastated so I'll just expect nothing and then when I receive anything it'll be like Christmas um and so we are going to get those 12 weeks and I'm like praise God he's like totally looking out for us postpartum I'll have Avery's help tenfold and that was like very much a God moment for us and an answered prayer. So, wow. What well, a Holy spontaneity moment if ever there was one. <laughs> I know. I know. When I was like, oh, Holy spontaneity moment. And then I looked back at the week and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so dumb. Like, it's like a big deal. <laughs> Literally this one, Meg, it's right mm-hmm. in front of your face. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Exactly. That is really awesome. Yeah. 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 I can't imagine how, like, how different it's going to be. Oh my gosh. Me neither. We are very like the fact that every, every, every spouse should have 12 weeks. And so I already know that that's not a normal thing. Like that just recently changed in the military prior. It was like 10 days, 14 days, something like that. Um, And even that was a gift. Like we had that with Carrie and that was very, very nice. Um, But we didn't have anything with Jeannie. It was just like, he kept going to school. He was in finals week. And then we went to summer classes and there was like, there was no, Wow. relief um so very very grateful and I wish yeah everybody had 12 weeks because that that's like a no-brainer to me yeah you know it's fascinating <laughs> to me that America or like the U.S. is one of the only countries that doesn't have like required paid leave for parents mm-hmm. fascinating mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. one of the higher maternal mortality rates yep, yep. interesting mm-hmm. I feel so bad for my kinder teacher because she's got, we got like six weeks of, you know, postpartum. And it's like, that's not like even she's expect- close. She's expecting, though. She's expected to come back and like start teaching like kindergarten. And it's like, most people can't even, like, most people are still bleeding at six weeks. Yeah. I, I think it's, really still, can't I, th- I think it's six weeks. I'm like 90% confident. It's like six weeks. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not shocked that it's, I mean, I'm, I'm, I hate that it's six weeks, but I'm not shocked that it's six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. But like, that's the thing is, is people are like, okay, six weeks. Like that's, that's pretty good. Six weeks. And then you have people in other countries, like you only get six weeks. I got an entire year. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A year. I'm moving to a year. Yeah. A year. Wow. Most of the time it's six or 12 weeks unpaid leave. Like, because mm-hmm. you're taking from, mm-hmm. like, the Family Medical Leave Act. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Yeah, it's not paid. <laughs> it's all. Yeah. That That's could be another whole, podcast. Could, I was about to say, that could be a whole <laughs> other episode. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Okay, moving on before we jump on this soapbox, Karen. Do you have oh a spontaneity moment this week? I very much have a holy spontaneity moment this week. Um, for, those of, for those of my fellow friends who follow me on Instagram you've probably already seen this but earlier today there's been lots of fun moments of teaching kindergarten and today was definitely one of them so one of my littles she came this morning and I'm trying to get better at um making you're talking a lot about surrender and it's not just a motherhood thing it's very much a spiritual thing um Mm -hmm. so I'm trying to get better at being okay with interruptions and letting things not happen the way that I have planned because as a teacher it's like you can spend all this time planning it's like okay this is gonna how this is how much it's gonna be and then like life happens and five-year-olds happen and it's like okay that lesson did not go the way that I planned it we gotta go again tomorrow so lots of moments of surrender 
So I'm trying to get better at letting my kids interrupt me because they're still at that age where they, they just want to be listened to. And I don't mm -hmm. know if they get that at home. And so my little kid to me and she goes, Miss Gallagher, I, in, while we're teaching, while, you know, we're learning, she goes, Miss Gallagher, I, I made you a bracelet. Can, can I, can I give you a bracelet? I, I made it for you yesterday. And she comes Aww. up to me, the cutest, I'm literally holding it, have not taken it off all day, it has Miss Gallagher on it. It has a little flower with a smiley face and a heart on it. And it's just the cutest thing that she just made for me. And it was, and then just, I've been so blessed with amazing parents of these amazing mm. students. Um, which I know not every teacher um, has that, but I reached out to her mom and I said, I just want you to know that this just made my entire day because I kind of had a rough week. And it's, it's one of those weeks where it's like, I don't know if I'm doing a good job of teaching. I don't know if I'm right. doing all that I'm supposed to be doing. How do I know if I'm, you know, they're actually learning from me. And her response was, you're welcome. She just loves to have you as her teacher. She always has good things to say about you. Mm. And then earlier, another mom came to pick up her baby girl at, uh, earlier today at noon and long story short I actually sent out a message to my parents we had our first fire drill today okay did not go well at all because like half my kids cried bawled their eyes mm -hmm. out which I realized it's like that's their very first fire drill so they thought they were in danger and they're just mm -hmm. crying their eyes out so I was trying not to cry and I was like you're okay take a deep breath you're with me you're safe you're fine anyway but I don't think the kids understood, like, oh, my gosh, there was a fire. There's a fireman. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, it was just a fire drill. So I, I texted the parents. And I said, I just want you to know if your kids talked about it later on tonight, there was no fire. There was just a fire drill. There was no fire. There was just a fire drill. And so there was that comment that I made. And then she had responded immediately back. And she said, good afternoon. Happy Friday. I am so very happy. Insert name. As you as our teacher. Thank you so much. Mm literal tears and it was like holy spirit knew i, I needed that just, just some affirmation just some i always forget how much of a words of affirmation girl i am so just the fact yeah. that both parents were like hey you're doing a great job thank you so much it's like okay thank you thank you yeah but very so much good yeah and oh, what about God. you oh thank you i, I did too <laughs> <laughs> so mine was for my birthday this weekend um we I say we my family and I so my parents my brother and I drove up to Dallas my sister is still in school uh up in Dallas and um saw like my uncle and my cousin as well and so we were just up there for for Labor Day weekend my birthday was on that Saturday and um honestly the weather was so perfect I it had to have been like 80 degrees with a breeze and that's how it was, it was for us too oh my and god I was like, Is that was our nice birthday everywhere? gift yeah god was like these girls deserve it yes <laughs> yeah so meg and i share a birthday um for those oh. listening who are confused mm -hmm. um but yeah the weather was just so perfect and we so on on sunday so like birthday was Saturday that was just a lot of driving day uh also pray for central Texas because it is burning um oh, we no. went through lots yes. and lots of heavy smoke north of Huntsville so for you guys who know where that is uh please pray for Huntsville um and so that was just like a lot of driving day it was really really chill really slow um had a good birthday dinner but Sunday we went to mass um 
We did an escape room, all of us, which wow. was a little bit stressful with personalities. Um, <laughs> but also just a lot of, oops, lots of, just a lot of fun. And then um, we just hung out at a park afterwards. And it was like, all of this was really good. But like the holy spontaneity moment specifically for me was just the fact that it was a day where I felt content to be exactly where I was. Yeah. And to be quite honest, like just, I don't feel that super often. Um, And I'm sure a lot of us don't feel that super often, but that was a day where I just felt content to be exactly where I was in my phase of life in that exact time and moment. So it was so peaceful for my brain and for my heart at the same time. So it was really great. Yeah. That's one of those like Hallmark movies or the Hallmark yes. moments where you're just like, it's good to be alive. Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it's always at a park with a breeze. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I loved a Hallmark movie this weekend, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway. Um, okay, Meg, thanks so much for being on. Please yes, let us know you. where they can find you. Um I was gonna say Google. Don't Google. Please don't Google. Just go to Instagram oh and then say <laughs> at Meg's underscore underscore. So there's two underscores Wells and everything for our website, for my photography page, for our podcast page. It's all there. All the highlights about motherhood. I have a a pregnancy, a birth, a home birth, and a motherhood highlight. So if you and have marriage. any questions, go and marriage, marriage highlight. Uh, and a links highlight if you're looking for mm-hmm. like baby items. So if you if you want any of that, it's all in the highlights. And if you have questions, obviously, message me. But thank you guys for having me. I loved yeah. having this conversation. Oh my gosh, it thank was you. so good. Yes. We could talk about this for hours, but mm-hmm. yeah, we so. totally could. I totally right. could. <laughs> and I'll put all that in the show notes so you can find her easily. But thanks, thanks, thanks. Thanks for listening to Holy Spontaneity. Go ahead and give us a rate and review and download your favorite episode for easy listening on the go. Hey, might as well follow us on Instagram too, at Holy Spontaneity. See y'all next time.